All right, troops, strong and conditioned, live and direct from the Strong and Conditioned podcast. Now, tonight's guest, I am honoured to say, is one of the men who truly trains like an animal. And this is what attracted my attention to this guy. When you watch his training videos, they are a sight to behold. It is the French training behemoth, the one and only Herr Soviak. How are you, Herr Soviak, or Axel, as you're more commonly known? Thank you, Lee. I'm good. How about you? How are you doing? All the better for finally meeting you, my friend. Yeah, we've been talking about that for a while now. And I want yeah. to apologize to anyone about my voice. I was a bit sick, so it's kind of cracky, but I apologize. We really wanted to make this happen. Yes, but I, I honestly don't think you, you should apologize, uh, Axel, because you bring that manly quality with that deep bass in your voice right now. I actually think you're putting it on just so you sound that even bit more manly because you're obviously trying to keep up with my beard at this point, but whatever, mate. So, Axel, I discovered you via Natural Hypertrophy's video and I was blown away by your training style. I thought there was an intensity to it that was just mind-boggling and it's something that always catches my attention. So can you please tell us a little bit about yourself and just explain to us how you got to the point where you're at now briefly, then we'll expand on that. All right, sure, no problem, Lee. Uh, well, I am a Soviak. I just turned 28. I'm a personal trainer and sport nutritionist. Um, I've been training for, uh, in about three weeks, 11 years, uh, natural bodybuilding. Um, I did some competition too as a natural lifter uh, in both tested and non-tested um, federation. And um, I've always liked the aesthetic of uh, silver era bodybuilders. Actually, I started out with golden era uh, models. And then I was more interested about athlete's body, really beefy, tanky athlete's body, like wrestlers and stuff. And more and more, I just went with, you know what? I like the natural look and I like to look powerful as well. And actually silver era athletes are the perfect blend for me. So I wanted to emulate and um, look like that. And uh, since then, that's what I've been doing, basically. Okay. So what was your first introduction into the Iron Game? My first introduction to the Iron Game? Um, well, first and foremost, my dad, when he was very young, I wasn't born yet. It was 2021. He trained with his older brother. So I always saw as a kid in the garage, in a very dark corner, some gym equipment like basic on home gym everything was rusted not professional but i always knew it was dead so actually my first iron uh, introduction i was 10 years old i was doing combat sport and i asked my and i asked my father well daddy i'd like to have more grip to catch the guys and really have more power to pull them toward me because i was doing wrestling and uh, um Taiji, so we had the kimono, so you had to grab some time of stuff here to do some kind of ju judo round, right? And he said, "Okay, you do this." So he bought, he, he brought, he, he brought me like a, a wrist roller, and he told me, "Look, you do this in that sense, and then you do that in the other sense, 
and you just put two kilo and you do that five times. And just that I burnt my forearm and I was doing, doing that here and there, you know, with some push-ups and abs. And uh, it was funny and I was happy to do that, you know. And the real introduction I had was when I, when I was 16 and I don't even remember what I was doing on internet. But I stumbled upon a Serge Nebret picture, black and white, and he looked majestic. And I was like, wow, what is that body, you know? It's one of these three-quarter face poses where Serge Nebret just looked amazing, was godly. And I said, hey, I kind of like that look. Let me try and find out. And it was actually on the forum of Bodybuilder, and it was French. So I went, I read, because I wasn't fluent in English yet, and I started to read, 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 and it got me into the Iron Game by that, you know. Yes, okay. So you were exposed to the internet in regards to training like for myself personally the internet didn't exist when i began training so information was a bit more sparse so what was the the first training program you decided to implement and where did that take you to uh my first program ever was a bro split and i basically read two big um, french internet website about uh, bodybuilding one was called all musculation and all was called super physique so just like you heard with my french accent it's super physique and all all weightlifting basically and these guys were basically copy pasting everything they ever saw in magazines from the 90s and early um, early 2000s and one of these training was that well actually fr french people at that time were very very um, visionary in, in advance compared to a lot of other people. It's just that we did not know how to communicate it worldwide. But we had a ton of experts, a ton of top athletes. It's just that it stayed in France, basically. And one of these articles was about Dorian Yates. And three top athletes about bodybuilding waited on how Dorian Yates was just a genius, basically. And his split was um, back abs, uh, shoulder triceps, uh, legs, abs, and uh, pecs, biceps. And that's what I started with, actually. Yeah. And uh, coming from uh, over uh, article and over sources, because soon I realized that if I wanted to have a new next-gen type of things, I needed to be on the uh, English side of things. That's when I stumbled upon bodybuilding.com, uh, Testosterone Nation, now called T-Nation, and so on and so forth. But I started with a blow split, actually. Yeah, so how long did you run the blow split for? Uh, about six months. Six months, yeah. And yeah. was that curiosity of other styles of training that made you decide to change your direction, or did you become disillusioned with the blow split? Uh, well, it's a bit of both, actually, because I'm, I, I'm from a very lean and skinny base. Uh, uh, like uh, since I'm 10, I have abs. Uh, I can see veins on my arms since I'm 10 also. But I had no mass. When I started training, I was 58 kilograms for basically 5 foot 8 or 173 centimeters. And in six months of growth split, I gained like 4 kilograms. Six months. <laughs> so I was like, it's supposed to be my first year of training. I'm supposed to have newbie gains. I'm supposed to explode. I'm not exploding. Something's wrong. And I stumbled upon other stuff, 
on the English side of things because for France and French people it's like bro speed. You're not you're not gaining weight or not enough volume, not enough food, bro. But you need to keep a bro speed. And when I went onto English uh, website, it was like, well, push leg, bro, upper lower, full body. And I tried them all for the six remaining months of my first year of training. And I exploded at that time. And it was basically one kilo every month. Yeah. And at the end of my first year of training, I gained 11 kilograms of solid muscle. Right. Okay. So what was your nutritional strategy during the bro split? Um, well, it was at the time when I was a, uh, as we call, um, a Nazi nutritionist. I was eating only clean food, no cheat, no cheat meal. I was waiting everything. I had my little paper scrap, and each time I was taking a meal, I was calculating the kilocalories and I was writing it on. So at the end of the day, I was like, hey, I need 3,100. And that's it. <laughs> so um, nutrition-wise, uh, yeah, I was, I was totally... I was crazy. I was batshit crazy. Um, I was just eating like clean, no cheat meal, no no alcohol, no sugar, nothing. It was chicken, it was steak, eggs, uh, rice, oats, uh, almond, dark chocolate, and uh, black veggies, basically. Nothing else. So do you think the, that strategy held you back while uh, performing the bro split? Yes, definitely. And for years, actually, not, not even just with a bro split, I'm, I have a terrible appetite and the diet is hard for me on the, uh, on achieving a high calorie amount of food because compared to my appetite, I, I'm not even uh, like, um, attracted to food. So I always thought, you know, I see these big guys and they are eating that much kilocalories. And I'm, I am 40 kilo less, so I'm not supposed to eat that much. But actually, the moment I exploded, literally in body weight, I was eating uh, like 4,000 kilocalories and I was like 65 kilograms. And another time I was 76 ki ki kilograms, so like a, a 170 pounds, and I was eating close to 6K. Was that so, all clean? Yeah, all clean. All clean. Oats and rice, basically. Oats and rice and tons of olive oil dressing everywhere. Wait, were you thinking shots of olive oil before bed? Uh, basically, yeah. I tried that. <laughs> I thought Bradley Martin, he spoke about it. He was like, oh, I was skinny. So I, I started to drink olive oil at the bottle. I was like, that's actually a great idea. <laughs> Let's try that. So have you always been very stringent with your nutrition because for me personally the idea of like taking in 6,000 calories clean is just something that I couldn't do whatsoever that would just be too much volume of food um, it's not only it is a bad idea but for trying to force it is also a bad idea because it's each time I would uh, get up to this amount of food I would get sick yeah, yeah. So at some point, if it's not me, we're like, oh man, I, do, I can't, I can't eat it. If my body was like, hey, buddy, nope. Yeah, <laughs> go yeah. to the toilet now. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. It, it always kind of strikes me as almost dysfunctional to a certain degree, just to be consuming that amount of food to put on weight. And as definition, it is a, it is an eating disorder. Per yeah, definition, yeah, type yeah. one, I believe, Ty uh, type A. I don't know, like the UK or 
uh, I don't remember the American system. It's like it's type one. It's like you have an unhealthy fee relationship with food. You force yourself to feed, and it's not even like you're not even like um, um, like enjoying it. You know, it's it's a chore literally. It's like a duty. I have to eat. It's not good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I had that for years. Yeah, because I was speaking about this with uh, my last guest, Jared Miller, and we were speaking about the the lens in which cutting and bulking are viewed and people fear cutting but they embrace bulking however bulking is exponentially more difficult than cutting particularly when you are eating 6,000 calories of clean food which must amount to almost half half your living room full of full of food yeah basically I really do not see what's so hard about curling. Uh, I mean, <clears throat> if you do it properly, you don't you don't rush. Um, you listen to your body. You try to also increase the uh, caloric deficit by just moving more. So it can be cardio. It can be just you increasing your neat levels. Um, like there is so many strategy, but for bulking. What can you do except sitting on your ass and just eating more? You can't so, do anything else. So did you actually do anything cardio-wise during this bulk? I try my, my most su successful bulk. I was just, um, so there are two, two successful books, bulk for me. Uh, I did only one session of cardio a week. Most often it was HIIT, heel sprints. Uh, both on the treadmill and outside, or it is just me. So that the most recent bulk is just that by my need of different activities and also by the fact that I am really starting to despise commute, commute transportation, I would just walk. And if I really need to walk, might as well do it fast. And I am a fast walker, but I would even go fast for my standard. So I would at least twice a week, uh, basically walk uh, 45 minutes and I would do it at like a seven kilometer per hour um, pace. Okay. So it's like, so it's like, it's like force march for uh, military guys. Yeah, like rocking. Uh, rocking, I think they call it, to go oh, on. Yeah, rocking. Yeah, it's like you're, you're forcing yourself with arm yeah. momentum and everything and you're, you're speeding, but still walking. Yeah. And I would do that with my gym bag. And my gym bag is about 10 kilograms, maybe a bit more. So, yeah. So uh, just like you caught my attention when you told me you were doing like a session of sprints. And it kind of makes me think there was a time, say about 11, 10 years ago, when sprinting was really in vogue. People thought sprinting was the answer. Why were you sprinting for like one session a week? What, what was the end game with that in mind? <laughs> well, first and foremost, I uh, must have been caught in that wave of Sprinter Magical. Second, uh, in my sport uh, historic, I did some athleticism. <coughs> Sorry. So I did 100 meter sprint, 200 meter, and um, um, the, the thing with the stick, we call it relay in French. So you have three guys, you have a stick. You dash, you give it to the guy next to you, um, yeah. like in, in front of you. Then he yeah. dash, print, yeah. and you give it to the third guy. And I was yeah. the third guy. 
I yeah. was once. I was like, <laughs> I was like a speed car, basically. So I enjoy running fast. I hate jogging. I despise it. I'd, yeah. I'd rather do fast walking. But yeah. sprints, I love it. Yeah. And so I do not like to do cardio for the for the sheer fact of doing cardio. But what I like to do is to enjoy my cardio. So right. team combat sport was funny to me and keeping sprints was great for me because not only it's a cardio, I can be consistent and uh, sustain it, but also with everything I was reading, it was like, oh, I like it and it's going to be useful. That makes sense because like watching your training style, it's, it's, it's short and sharp and intense. Like when I was watching your training videos, there was no, I mean, I don't know if it was edited like that, but there was no lulls. It was like hard, fast exercise supersets, just keeping that locomotion effect. No, that's not an editing thing. It's like, I really do that by default. Yeah. You're not the first one to tell me that. Yeah, yeah. But yes, there are some guys in 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 the gym, they go, they do their set. And then they eat the clock and they wait two minutes. I, I can't do that. <laughs> I cannot do that, Lee. So what I was I what I started to do with Superset is like, well, you know what? With that back and abs workout, for example, I was doing my machine row. And then be like, you know what? Instead of waiting to do my hanging leg raise that I'm supposed to do last, I'm going to do one set between every machine row set. And those crunches I'm supposed to do on the decline. Uh, bench, I'm going to do them with the barbell mental row. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? yeah. And uh, by by this sheer fact, I just responded very well to superset or bicep or even tricep just because I just do not like to be seated on my ass. But at the yeah. same time, I'm not doing um, dumb superset. By that, I mean, I'm not going to do squat and deadlift at superset. Yeah. I'll do squat and in between set, I will do my calves or my neck. It is smaller muscle. You can't really go hard with them. You don't need to go hard with yeah. them. Actually, it's better to drive volume up to avoid any kind of injury or overuse than to really pound away with them. Uh, it's, For example, it could be with biceps, you can do triceps. With your lateral delt, you can do rear delt. Like literally nothing is stopping you. And if you're doing overhead presses, nothing keeps you from doing external rotator cuff work or even upper back work. Then it depends on your gym logistic, of course, but you're not going to endure your performance by doing, I don't know, machine row set and a Smith machine press. Yeah, yeah. Literally nothing except the cardio and your work capacity. Yeah, yeah. And no, I, all my work before going to the gym with all the sport I did, so combat sport, the athleticism, I did some swimming, um, 50 meter swim. Um, free uh free free swim so like you crawl and the butterfly one like that yeah so i'm always um used to like high intensity or at least pretty high intensity and the non-stop kind of thing uh with a training style so yeah. that's why it's come just naturally for me yeah how how do you implement this training style in a, a busy commercial gym um, that's a tricky question because I think it is both a luck factor for me. Yeah. I was lucky. 
I could train uh, with all the jobs I did uh, somewhere part-time. So I could train in the middle of the afternoon, for example. Yeah. And others had, um, it was not like a 9-5, it was, for example, a 10-8. Yes. So when I would come to the gym, it would be 11. No, yeah. not 11, 9. At 9, everyone is gone. Yeah, so yeah, just yeah. from 9 to 11 until it was closing, because most yeah. of the gym in France are doing 6 a.m. to 11 p.m. And I would do 9 to 11 p.m. Yeah. And that's it. So there is that. And there is also the fact that when I go in the gym or when I'm doing a training program or I'm coaching someone, I ask for pictures or videos of a gym. Why? Because I like to do to also make them do superset, except if there is like some heart condition. Yeah. Or real reason, like they can do superset, they already tried and they do not respond to it. It happens with uh, advanced lifter, for example, or just people do not like it. They like to get everything in one set and then they sit and they rest, you know. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm going to see what machine is close to each other or what kind of like the dumbbell rack with the barbell and the dumbbell and like, oh, nice. So there is the incline bench dead and there is a pull-up bar here. Well, you know what? Incline bench press, pull-up. Oh, there is the leg press here and here there is the leg curl machine well you know what leg press leg curl yeah 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 so it's a case of just ensuring that like the same muscle group is not worked in both sets as long as you can get that like antagonist style oh up. yeah yeah I, I i do not believe in pre or post exhaustion training like yeah. doing the, for people that do not know that we are talking about for example doing a compound on a muscle like bench press and then doing the isolation, like a fly, for example, for chest, or the reverse, flies and bench press. Most of the time, it is a false good idea. Yeah. It works yeah. in theory, but in theory, everything's work. So, yeah. you know, but when you apply it, many problems can arise. So the only true staple superset that can work most of the time are antagonist muscle. So, for example, you're pressing and then you superset with the pulling. Yeah. Or Two muscles that have nothing to do together. An example would be training your chest and doing a superset with your calves. Yeah, yeah. That's the only thing that really works, actually. So yeah. Pre-exhaust has never made sense to me because I think one thing that I always think about training is that people look for like magic systems. They always look for magic rep schemes and exercise selection. But it's very rare you come across people who look for rep quality. And I believe rep quality is where it all begins. That is the foundation of any training program, is the quality of the reps performed on any given exercise. And pre-exhaust would kind of blow that out of the water, particularly yes. post-exhaust. So if you do, like I say, I say 10 squats, and then you move on to the leg curl, your legs are on fire, the rep quality diminishes. It's, it's, so it's taking away the foundation of actually training. This is just my take on it. I mean, I, I don't know if some science guy can come in and prove me wrong. I don't really care. But, but, I even, think... but even then, with science, you're testing things in the bottle. You and I, Lee, and everyone who is watching this podcast or listening to it, are not in the bottle. So everything yeah. can happen in the bottle, yeah. But we are not in the bottle. Yeah, no, so of course. They can basically say everything and anything with that bottle. Yeah. Most yeah. of the time, even themselves sometimes are not even honest with how they interpret the result. Yeah. They will yeah. say, oh, we saw this amount of growth. Whoa, it's working. You see the amount of growth. It's like, 
like 100 grams on four months of this type of training. <laughs> Do you really want to go with that trouble, with that amount of trouble for weeks, for months, for 100 plus grams? Yeah. No. That sounds like your uh, results in your first ever bro split. Grams are muscle. <laughs> yeah. It's like so much effort so for so little. At, yeah. at that point, there is a ratio. Do you really want to go through all that trouble for just that tiny little thing? Yeah. Most cases, except if you really want to be like an elite top pro lifter who could be interested with that at some point in his career, just doing the basics. Yeah. It works. And yeah. it works because they are the basics and they are the basics because it works. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. And even for the pre-exertion, by, by pure definition, it's false because they'll say you do isolation, then compound. Per yeah. se, isolating a muscle is impossible. You can bias, but you cannot isolate. It's not yeah. possible. If we take again the bench press with chest fly, if you do a chest fly, however your form is, how good you are, even with your mind-muscle connection inside the pectoral uh, major muscle, you will have some little pec minor, you will have some interior delt, you will have some coracobrachial, and you may even have some biceps. Yeah. So, and then there is also the, um, the false argument with that, which is that, well, if you have a trouble to feel a muscle, you do that, you exhaust everything around, and then the muscle you want, it will be forced to, um, to actually uh, grow and, and, and work. But if this muscle is weak, it is most often because you are not training it properly. So we go back again to your to your saying, the rep quality is bad. It could also be the exercise selection. It could be the form. It could be many factors. And it could also be neural, um, neural endurance. Um, uh, uh, like your body is so not used to do it that the nerve does not kick in. That's why so many people do not feel the muscle. I had this problem with a few muscles, rear delt, chest, biceps. I could not feel them. But at the same time, doing flies and bench press, it's not going to fix my problem. What's going to fix my problem is me learning to how to use them. How to use them, you select the best exercise and you do this exercise with the best um, way to actually recruit them, which is to actually use their function. And the main function of the pec is doing this kind of motion, uh, adduction of the humerus toward the torso. Yeah. Not pressing, because if we say press, I could do that. I could do a press where my my chest do not move, and it's just me doing that with my triceps. Yeah. So you, we came back to what you say, which is true. It's like your web quality is not okay. Yeah. So you have yeah. to work on that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Fascinating. So I want to backtrack a little bit, Axel. Yes. Because when we spoke about the initial training journey and the, the, the bro split, you, you then went on to explain that you started looking on bodybuilding.com and T-Nation. Yes. And discovering new styles of training splits, so to speak, of which your gains and your results started to explode. Yep. So let's talk about why they exploded. Was it because you were starting to buy into these different systems? Therefore, the application was more focused, as was the nutrition. Did these new programs light a fire up your derriere, so to speak? I think it's both the programs and also the mindset. The, the mindset I found on this website was uh, the KISS principle, 
which is the acronym for keep it stupid simple <laughs> what do you keep keeping what do you keep stupid simple progressive overload the moment i saw the most gain were actually when i focused on compounds and just increased my strength and because i increased my strength by byproducts the muscle came yeah that's simple yeah was there any like because t nation had a lot of famous programs throughout the years uh west side for skinny bastards in particular i think five i'm gained a lot of prominence yeah. on t nation as well chad waterbury has total body training yep was there any programs that you locked into uh well chad waterbury 10 by 3 my first initiation with 10 by 3 yeah was like, I, was, I was reading everything from him I was like this makes so much sense yeah yeah even him said it it's like this is not for bodybuilding technically this is for sport preparation for athletes yeah so it's like it's for hypertrophy but it's like at the same time we we most want strength because via strength there is a prehab there is the fact that are more resilient work capacity etc etc but for hypertrophy it works too because you respect everything that is needed to drive muscle protein synthesis yeah there is also the five by three by jim wendler which is a previous elite power lifter and you just say you know what just add weight to the bar there is a simple linear uh progressions that you can repeat 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 ad nauseum ad vitam eternam with any movement you know just have this and then some assistant work and then some supplement work and then some isolation work and then you go home and you eat and you sleep and and that's it and just repeat for months for years yeah um there was the um it was a Thibodeau pro training program i do not remember the name uh but basically he was doing clusters of two reps it was six to eight sets i believe and he had like a giant sets for shoulder to really maximize as much as possible the metabolic um, fatigue, like yeah. circuit training, basically, but for isolation, and it worked wonder for my for my delts. That's when people started to really say, "Bro, you can say you're juicing." You're juicing. It's like, look, I'm doing this, and they would yeah. be, oh, "Okay, let me try," and they would not even be able to finish it. <laughs> yeah. Was was that? Uh... Was the 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 third program was that the layer system at all? Uh, I remember something about like a super body V velocity training stuff. I, I don't remember. Do you know it's, it's it's funny you bring these programs up because I think in today's climate these programs would be viewed as I don't want to say outdated, but people wouldn't go towards them because there's not this sense of optimal training that mm. came from these programs. It was just training hard lifting yeah. compound lifts just yeah. set on rep schemes just watch the weights fly up whereas now we're, we're in a climate where it's like biomechanics heavy it's targeting muscles it's the compounds are almost being pushed away to a certain degree because they don't target muscles but years ago guys were getting insane results on these programs and the t nation forums are a classic example because the t nation forums they're not as busy nowadays as they were at this time when these programs were prominent yep. but they're absolute monsters on that website so many guys who are getting insane results from these programs 
I totally agree with you. Whereas nowadays it's almost like, like the thing with fitness is anything that's almost a few years old, it just gets pushed to the side now. Because it's not fancy anymore. Yeah. And it's not sexy to say to people, get up your numbers with basic compounds and lift for five years. Yeah. It's not yeah. fancy. You have to be like, oh, you would have a great body if you'd have your elbow at 45 degrees in compared to the sagittal plane about your shoulder in the Smith machine with a reverse bend, then you'll have your purchase that you want. And by the way, buy my program, 300 bucks right there. <laughs> this is what they want to hear, basically. Uh, we Like we have a saying in French, it says, um, uh, uh, we say, um, les pigeons méritent de se faire pigeonner, which is that dumb people, at some point, they deserve to be um, scammed because there's so many goodwill people like you, like natural hypertrophy, like Coach Boldo Niemann, like Alexander Leonidas. I could go on and on and on. I would lose my voice again by quoting them all. And it's real based, solid advice, both imprinted into their own practice, their training experience, their coaching experience, but also the science. Yeah. So you can say they are just dumb people that did the trench work and not the science work. But at the same time, they are not lab rats because actually tried the thing in real life. And yeah. you have all this amazing community and they have to go for the guy who is flashing a fake natty body and was like, you want the same body? Well, you actually have to be very, very, very smart about your training. Let me show you how. But first, pay me. It's always <laughs> like that, you know? Um, and even Tination at some point, like some people sometimes with their article, I don't know how they choose their authors, but sometimes with the article, they would say, oh, eight new ways to build your shoulder. I was like, oh, cool. I like to have big shoulder. Let's see. Yeah. And the guy is doing landmine lateral raises. <laughs> with a barbell. I think that's just the landscape, though, with regards to clickbait. People are yeah. drawn towards numbers <laughs> in ways to slaughter your serratus, shit like that. But it's very interesting that you brought up those guys like Natural Hypertrophy and Bald Omni-Man because, like, in my own experience, I fell away from lifting weights for about two years there and concentrated exclusively on burpees and calisthenics. And, yes, yes uh, and but as you know, our training journeys evolve. We do things, we leave them aside and we look at new things, but mm -hmm. we always go back to the things we did at some point. You return home to a certain degree. Yes. And that's how I found guys like Natural Hypertrophy and, and yourself and Bald Omni One Man. We are getting this amazing content for free because it's a very supportive community. Yes. And the reason I find it supportive is because there's a siege mentality. There, what? It's a siege mentality. Siege? Yeah, a siege. Like, imagine a castle was under siege. Oh, okay. All right. Yes. Okay. So it's a siege mentality because... These are a small group of guys that are up against this massive roid-fueled fitness machine that's it's never been as big as it is nowadays. And these guys are fighting against that with quality content that makes you think about things. But the one thing that stood out to me was this idea that we are going to smash these black 
self-pilt beliefs that have been placed on everybody. And yes. we try to smash it with our experience and tenacity to just get our heads down and work hard and prove people wrong. And that just like that just took me by surprise and blew me away at the same time. And it was kind of similar to the Burpee community in that respect, which is just espousing hard, basic work that isn't fancy. It's not got bells and whistles. It's back to basics and it's just working hard. So I think the two communities are kind of similar in that respect, which is why I moved on to that. So for me, I find nowadays that fitness is, is it's horrible to me. It's 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 like watching a really bad American soap opera from the eighties, like Dallas or Dynasty. Oh. It was just the it's hard to explain. Garish, just yeah. lights and shoulder pads, and but no substance, no substance. And I feel like the natural bodybuilding community that's starting to get bigger and bigger is all substance. Yes. Sorry, I went on a bit of a tangent now, but... No, no problem. No problem at all, Lee. Uh, I actually agree with you because even though, yes, biomechanic training as a place, there is biomechanic in my training, there is biomechanic in my coaching, biomechanic is great. At some point, there is biomechanic and then there is real hard work and nothing beats real hard work yeah so to give to give a rough example to people that may need an example if you're doing back squats and you're going to four plates back squat which is great not humongous but great and you want to build your wheels your legs your quads yeah but it's growing you a fat ass and your lower back is tied for days is back squat good for you at that point when you're back squatting four plates and you want quads. Well, if you are someone who is lanky, short torso, long femur, except you have exceptional amount of ankle mobility, no, it will not. It will not. And if just next to the rack, to the squat rack, you have a pendulum machine or a axe squat machine, or even not even a machine, just a SSB bar, this will be better for you because if you want to build legs, if you want to build quads, a movement that allows for greater knee flexion with as little hip flexion extension as possible will focus the work on the knee extensors, so the quads, and less on the hip extensor, so the glutes and the lower back and the hamstring. You can do hamstring on squat, but glutes and, and lower back, yes. And that's it. So if you are squatting two plates right now and you're like, oh, I have no problem with my back and uh, yeah, two plates. That's decent. That's not good. That's decent. When you start to squat three plates and above, you'll see what could be happening with areas that are not supposed to be work. And that's where just basic hard work stops working and you're like, okay, let's just think before I hurt something or I do something wrong. And yeah. the same thing with bench press, the same thing with deadlift, same thing with standing normal standard overhead press, same thing with pull-up dips and what barbell bent overall, etc. etc. You do the basics, and when they stop working, okay, let's 
Let's stop, assess, and think for a moment. What is hurting? Why? Is my phone good? What am I actually training for? And then you can have a better exercise selection, as we say. And depending of where you train, you will have more or less tool to work with. A yeah. home gym is not the same as a gold gym. That's just logical, right? And that's it. That's it. But all the guys that are like biomechanic expert and you ask about the PR, you get blocked. I wonder how. I wonder why. You know, I'm not the strongest guy. I never claimed I was the freakiest and strongest, but I can overhead press two plate and I yeah. can do volume with it basically. Uh, I don't do deadlift of the floor. I do it very rarely, so I do not know my max. But I know I was able to block pull six plates for eight reps just below the knee level and do five plates for, uh, I don't know, three three sets of eight, something like that. And yeah. I've been able, before all my knees, injuries and stuff, to do back squat, um, box below parallel, uh, to do a triple with four plates and a half, and do three by eight with four plates. Yeah, yeah. And front squat, ATG, three plate. It's not the best number. I'm not the strongest guy. But I have this, and I can leg press half a ton, and I can street curl uh, basically 70 kilogram, and et cetera, et cetera. So there is, of, of course, a basic, and then there is what you need to actually work with. Because currently, I stopped doing back squat so heavy because it just roast my low back. And I yeah. need my low back for my RDL. Yeah. Why do I do RDL and a back squat? Because RDL for me right now are one of the best uh, exercise and one of the best tools to build my posterior chain. So I would rather be fresh from my RDL yeah. rather than to have some kind of ego boost with back squat, just to say, hey, look, I back squat. I do front yeah. squat with way less um, weight, but with front squat, everything is on my quads, plus some upper back. Yeah, I'm yeah. happy. You know? And same thing with any machine, actually. If someone is hurting his back with any free squat, Go in the leg press, go on leg extension, do the stack. You'll have yeah. big legs. Yeah. I think oh. this things we become too obsessed with the numbers when ultimately effort is just relative. Your body yes. does not interpret numbers, it interprets effort, and that is the key like driver of success within your own realm because you can't ever compete particularly nowadays where people post these crazy numbers continuously and most well, I'm not saying most people lie but men have all people like to add numbers on like that's what guys do they always add a few extra inches on their height so what makes you think they're not adding a few extra inches on their, their PR numbers so to speak so I think the effort is just relative to you so I think that's you can't measure effort but you can feel it and you know yeah. what it is you know what intrinsically yeah. what it is? Yeah, like effort, like RPE. Yeah. It's not a way to go with effort. It's just about a set in a, diff in a certain type of context. Uh, and some exercises are very RPE friendly. Yeah. Mainly isolation and machine. Yeah. Because you're, you're comfortable, it's easy. And then there are exercises like Zersha squat, AV, Astrug, and front squat. Yeah. Because sometimes I'm going to, uh, I'm, I'm still in warm up, I'm still warming up, and I go down and it's like RP 14. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh shit, this is heavy. But I'm still going to add up 20 more kilo and be like, okay, this is my work set now. Yeah, so, so it's funny about the Zercher squat because I remember the Zercher squat was quite popular on T Nation years ago. What do you think 
like, why do you use Zercher squat? What do you think are the, the, the hypertrophy qualities of a, a Zercher squat? It's a, it's a way better options. It's a way better option for upper back, low back, abs, quads, glutes, hamstring. It's a way yeah. better option. But if you are stranded on an island and all you have is a barbell, you don't <laughs> even have a rack, you have nothing. Right, okay. Do you know what? It's, it's, it's really interesting that you brought that up because you just made me think of a question, okay, right? <laughs> So you're on a desert island and all you have is a barbell, okay? Ah. And uh, you, what, are, what is the perfect program that you are going to create? Full body, you can only do the same session three, four times a week. What would you do with that barbell? One, like just the floor and the barbell with unlimited amount of weight. A couple of plates, obviously. Uh, power clean. I do power clean because with the power clean I can do the front squat. With the front yeah. squat I do my legs, and the power clean can basically act as upper back and some kind of posterior chain. Because with the power clean, I can do it in a very wrong way, which is to do it straight, um, like a stiff-legged deadlift, basically. So it's like full posterior chain. It's like you're basically doing like like this, you know, um, stiff-legged deadlift or and or RDL. So I would do. Um, we say three full body, right? No, no, a, a full body like ex, like exercise program. You can put as many exercises in as you want, but you're hitting the full body, so ah, just one session. Yeah, one session, not like three different sessions, like just the one session. Okay, all right. So one session, uh, I would go full body because if I'm only training with a barbell, and it's not like for any kind of like it's for to build my body basically i'll need to train i'll need the rest so there is no need to train every day um most likely some limiting factor will very quickly happen so i'm not even to go that road and three full body for me is a sweet spot now depending of the exercise i have i will go with one or two movement per muscle why because with a barbell all my joints are going to take a beating i can sit down so I cannot spare the low back if I'm going to do uh, something standing or seated or I can't even sit actually. Um, so I will go with very basic stuff. So yet again, something like power clean because with power clean I can with a front squat. I'm going to do um, I'm going to do standing press. I'll have to if I really want to hit hard the shoulder. Um, curls. Standing curls. Um, there is no way to block the barbell somewhere. It's like straight floor, just a barbell. Yeah. Straight. Right. <laughs> so, okay, let's optimize. <laughs> I know people like when we optimize. <laughs> I'm not going to do the power clean. The power clean will only be to clean the barbell of the floor to do the front squat. Okay. What I'm going to do is barbell row from the floor. So like basically a pendly, pendly row with some momentum. Um, and I'm going to do floor press. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that's that, that sounds good to me. It, it, it's <laughs> The last podcast, Jared Miller said that one of the best ways to add mass is to pick things up 
from the floor and just place them above your head. Is this something you agree with? Yeah. I have never seen a guy who can push press <laughs> enormous amount of weight and be like skinny. And it's like a, he found a way to leverage his body weight and stuff. And, you know, like a powerlifter who is doing low bar, sumo, sumo stand squat, you know, to, to have as much hip yeah. extension and as little knee flexion as well it's like it's like a, it's a sumo deadlift with a bar on the <laughs> on the back basically um and now I, I know it i'm french so there is a french low bar style with a barbell in the middle of the back i know it <laughs> yeah. um so you can you can have skinny scrolling men who are like doing squat with five plates and you're like how is it not breaking you know but push press push press three plate the guy will will look great yeah. Push press four plates and beyond. You can only see that on the TV when there is like world strongest man stuff. Yeah, and absolutely. The guy are looking like grizzly who have been like waxed or, or shaved. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I totally agree with Jared on that one. Yeah, and and doing high rep like cleaning presses, it's mm. really taxing on your cardiovascular system as well. It, yes. I think it's just the idea that you're just placing the body under perpetual load. It almost as if it has magical growth properties. But do you ever read the works of Dan John at all? Yes. Right. Have you ever? What program did you try? Did you try Mass Made Simple at all? I don't remember. I don't remember the name. It's the one when you're doing a top set of squat between two twenty and thirty reps. And then there is a stiff legged deadlift. He, he calls it a tonic. So funny, this guy. He calls it a tonic. Yeah. 15 to 20 reps. Yeah. <laughs> I and it's like I... you, you, get, you add five pounds every month on your yeah. frame. And you don't even know where this pound came from, but they are there. Yeah. When you read Dan John's stuff, it's very gentle and quaint, his writings, but his workouts are absolutely brutal. Some of yeah. them definitely. But he has one called Ma Mass Made Simple. Mm -hmm. and culminates in a 50 rep squat session and but the interesting thing was there was a barbell complex sequence in it and this kind of ties in with the t nation chat from years ago because do you remember when barbell complexes were really in fashion yep yeah i remember all the article it's like oh you you see how the weightlifters are so jacked and they would put a david riga picture or like luke georgian picture like, oh, it's barbell complex. So there is a bear, and then there is a super bear, and then there is a, what's the other one, like the shark or whatever, and then the CrossFit <laughs> guy came in, you know? But yeah, I remember. But you never see anyone do complexes anymore. It's <laughs> something that's never spoken about. But Dan would talk about the, the, the growth qualities of the complex because you're placing your body under perpetual load for like five reps per exercise. It could be 30 mm. reps. And the body's being hit from different angles. So why do you think you don't see this anymore? What happened to these things? Well, um, first and foremost, these complex all have a problem, which is that it's not, it's basically what I said at the beginning of our talk. I don't do dumb superset. And complex are dumb superset. Yeah. Meaning that to give you one example, there is a bear. So the bear, you're supposed to do like a deadlift. Then you do a power clean, then you squat, then you do a press, then you put the press in the barbell behind, you do a squat, then you redo a press, you pull it forward, you 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 do like this press motion to go back down, but you stop and you do barbell row and then you stop and that's one rep. 
on each of these exercises, low back, trashed, core involved. Uh, we could sp speak about the knees, the elbow, the wrist, the shoulder, whatever. And you're supposed to do between five and 10 reps, five <laughs> times. Yeah. 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 That means that at the end of the complex, sure, you, you add a good stimulus on the muscle. I mean, if it works, it works. If you have never done that, it will work. But what really happened is that what was limiting you was not your muscle. It was your spine. Yeah. And it was the most fragile and the most um, uh, soft tissue rich area of your body, which is your low back. Low back is basically 30% muscle, meat, red meat. And the 70% left are like white stuff, tendons, soft tissues, fascia, uh, aponevrosis and stuff, you know? Yeah, yeah. And your complex will trash this area while your other muscle, yeah, sure, they worked. But have they been properly stimulated to, to for muscle growth purposes? Depends. Yeah. You know, if it, it will work until it doesn't. Yeah. When it doesn't, you have to ask yourself, okay, what are best, what are my best options in terms of hypertrophy focus? And yeah. in, in, you really go uh, deep into that. Uh, path into that road, you come across guys that are doing high incline presses on the Smith machine for the deltoid. Why? Because you have a stability, so you can express strength. You will never have to worry about your core muscle on your spine. Yeah. All you have to do is be like that. You have a barbell. It comes down perfectly in front of your face, so you don't even have to do like a G curve. You know, you're, you're doing like that. You know, to press the barbell overhead. Yeah. You just have to press. You just have to press. There is nothing else for you to do but press. And you're on the Smith machine, no balance, no stabilization. Just press the thing, you know, until your shoulder muscle, not joint, can't go anymore. And that's that. And you repeat again and again. And that's why on a hypertrophy focused context, complex, yeah, we have way better options. It's yeah. not that bad, but we have so much better to do, you know. Absolutely agree. So what's an exercise, right, that you do that you know isn't the most optimal? You know it's not like the best, but you just enjoy it. Shrugs. Shrugs. <laughs> yeah. Shrugs. Is it is there any particular type of shrug? I mean, why do you do them if you know they're not as productive as you would like them to be? Um because I see Past the hypertrophy thing, I see the mental effects they have. I see the effects they have on my whole body, the bone structure, the tendons, the ligament, the CNS. Um, and also um, my relationship to the weight. Because I'm someone who has been plagued by low back problem. I never had a big fat injury like a hernia, like my grandfather and my father had. But I've had little thing you know like muscle tweak like a disc was being squashed yeah or like the muscle cramp you know on the like the ql you know the thing is like you feel like you're dying but it's not it's not bad at all it's just your ql cramped you know yeah <laughs> i've had that at least like if we do an average once a year mm -hmm. and so i was always scared about heavyweight because what do you see on forums and the internet a few years ago you have your low back problems deadlifts are going to put you in a chair Look at Ronnie Coleman. Well, look what happened. He was deadlifting. Now look, you know, it was like that basically. Same thing for squat. You feel your 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 low back on squat. 
you're going to die. You're going to die because of squat. And your back is going to hate you. And when you go in paradise, when you die and you go in paradise, Jesus will look at you and be like, why did you do squat? It was hurting your back, bro. You know? <laughs> and then I stumbled upon Jamie Lewis on Chaos and Pain blog post. And the guy was like, okay, fuck it. Beltless, nine plate shrug. Like that. It was like he was having a, she- a seizure. So at first you're like, what? The guy is shrugging nine plate. What for? The form is, it's like you do not know what you're watching. But the guy's traps was going from here. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen Jamie Lewis traps there. That's right. I think so you like, face. What? He doesn't have a neck. So he <laughs> must be working. So I'm like, okay, you know what? Just, let's just try. And that was at the same time that I came back to watching a bit more YouTube because I was very um, blog and website focused, not very video content focused. And I stumbled upon Alexander Leonidas. And it was in the era where he was basically copying or emulating Eric Bugenhagen that I also stepped on a point because he was sponsored by Cows and Pain at the time. And it was outlifting, Jefferson deadlift, Je- uh, Axe deadlift, Zersher deadlift, AV shrug, even um, rack pull above the knee or end yeah. the tight lift. And I would see these guys lift enormous amount of weight and be like, that's unfair. I have low back problem. Why not me? <laughs> also, I thought. And then it occurred to me between a deadlift where your back is like that and something where like that, yeah. Here's a lot of shear forces and not much compression. And here's a little to no shear force and a lot of compression. And guess what the spine is made to withstand? And guess what can actually strengthen your spine? Compression. So I started very slow, four plates. <laughs> One year after, I was lifting half a ton. Is that, is that four plates each side? Yeah, for like 180 kilograms. <laughs> You're starting easy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because that was that's what I was able to deadlift at the time for right. the floor. Oh, One year after, I was doing half a ton, 500 kilograms in a right pool above any fashion. So I was training that. I was doing the Jefferson block pool, Ike block pool, AV shrugs, and my max on shrug. Uh, before having some disquashing issue, it was because I had some infection. I take some antibiotics, and these antibiotics had side effects that would basically damage your tendon, and I didn't know. And of course, the doctor did not tell me, even though she saw I was muscular and training. I even told her. Um, but my max on on, on shrugs was four four hundred kilogram, so eight eight hundred eighty pounds. Yeah, I think it's, uh, it's ten. Uh, little less than 10 plates on each side, like nine plate and a half, something like that. And um, one of the things that is good with that is that you see a very loaded barbell. The bar is even bending a bit. <coughs> and you're not afraid. Yeah, yeah. Oh, 400 kilo? Yeah, it's Wednesday, bro. You know, I'm going to do it, you know. It's very interesting. Unlock some stuff, of course, with your gym, because now you see a three plate bench and you're like, yeah, it's going to be hard, but I can do it. Good stuff. And it also unlocks other thing in your other life. If you're not scared about half a ton on a barbell, what you'd be scared to walk up to a woman <laughs> or do this job interview or actually um, have the courage to launch a side business or hustle? Yeah, yeah. What's stopping you. What are you afraid of? You're lifting half a ton. You're yeah. superhuman. You're like in the top 1% most strongest people who have, have ever walked this earth, especially right now. 
always comes back to mindset in that respect. Mindset? Oh, mindset. Yeah, yeah it's always mindset, basically. And I like to keep track for that. Because yeah. even with my back problem, because then I squashed this, as I say, I did a scanner and I actually, well, I'm 28, so it's normal. And I've been lifting heavy for more than a decade, but I have some slight arthrosis with my um, two last lumbar, uh, lumbar vertebrae and some slight disc damage. Not only is it normal at my age, <clears throat> everyone at around 30 and even beyond has at least one damaged disc, especially athletes and um, it's hurting and mine is not i have no symptoms but also compared to other male in my family who has like two or three airnated discs i'm actually quite lucky yeah i'm doing yeah. very good you know <clears throat> even knowing that even knowing that i do my shrugs and each time what happens nothing <laughs> nothing i lift eight plates this is what i did two 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 days ago eight plates I couldn't go higher than seven plates for months because um, uh, the gym close to me, I, I could not like I could not put so much plate. I had bumper plates, so there was no room. Um, yeah. uh, well, I'm doing eight plates right now. I'm doing three to four reps. I'm doing many sets. What happens? I get a trap pump. I get my entire um, upper back sore, and my lower back is fine. So, so what? What am I supposed to be scared of, you know? Yeah, yeah. Do you know what? Like, just even putting all those plates on is just a bit, like, that requires a, a certain mindset. Because hmm? it takes so long, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, like, and you know, of course, for the trap, it's great because you have a weighted stretch component, like your myostatin and stuff, you're completely, uh, not the myostatin, sorry, like the, you know, the contractile component of the muscle while on your traps they are very prone to respond to stretch. So, of course, with eight plates, the stretch is enormous, even if it's just a, a five-second uh, length set. Yeah. Um, but you are working your calves, you're working your core, you are strengthening your whole your whole body because the bone density increase on different movement. And yeah. also on the CNS, you're uh, disinhibiting the Golgi uh, tendon, uh, organ tendon, which is basically the tendon captors that are telling your body, oh, this is dangerous, stop it. And yeah. it is inhibiting the strength of your muscle yeah. to protect yourself from damaging yourself. Because if you could put electrodes um, on your quads and you put 100% um, strength and it, you contract everything on your quads, 100% strength, the, the patella, like it, it, it goes on the wall and your femur bone get completely crushed, completely. <laughs> So there is a lot of capture actually in your body with inhibiting you to avoid these kind of injuries. Yeah. <laughs> well, by going very, very, very heavy with exercise like shrugs or leg press, yeah, which is like you, you like on shrugs, you're vertical, so nothing much can happen except if you lose balance. And on the leg press, you're stacked under something very stable, and all you have to do is flex your knee and then extend them. Well, you can actually decrease the sensitivity of the Golgi um, organ tendon meaning that any weight after that will feel light just because your nervous system is like, oh, I'm, I'm used to that. I can do so much more. Yeah, yeah. And just this effect of doing these shrugs and then I go on whatever machine or I do whatever exercise, 
and it's like, oh, I just have 20 kilo. Oh, I just have 40 kilo. Yeah. It sounds like that. I don't know the actual how to explain the word, the pro potentiation. Yes, it's, been, it's actually been uh, systemized by a French guy who is called Michael Degundil. I have his books and I always tell people to buy them. And it's as old as 1999, yeah. where he officially put the paper on the internet. So it's yeah. already 24 years old. We know yeah. it's working. We know how to do it. Yeah, because I'm sure Chad Waterbury also used to have that in his programs where he would get you lifting 150%. 200 percent we are one rep max and just holding the weight mm -hmm. racking it <laughs> some weight off the, your squats totally and we also have like elite uh, strength level athletes who do that but by instinct they would not know what they were doing but they would do exactly that potentiation one guy um uh, of course i'm forgetting his name he's a canadian strongman i'm pretty sure his uh, his surname is francois then the, yeah. the the first name i do i i I have been forgetting it. The guy was doing six by three on rack pull. Yeah. And then he would put the barbell on the floor to work his deadlift. And he yeah. would say, I just prefer like that. It just feels easier. But of course, if you're rack pulling, you can go with high rate. You're forced to do uh, basically a hip hinge with no leg drive. So it's full back, full full hips, full glutes, uh, full traps. Like your, your legs can go. So your CNS is literally prime because the nerves yeah. are inside the spine, actually. And then you put the barbell on the floor, you remove a ton of weight, and you're working your, your deadlift on the floor. Then the barbell flies. It's it's just so logical. It's just so simple and so awesome at the same time, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Right, so just to change tact a little bit, right? Can you ever see yourself introducing conditioning into your training? What do you call conditioning? Like, like say high rep body weight training, burpees, something of that nature. <coughs> well, uh, uh, burpees sucks. Fight me. Fitness, <laughs> <laughs> I get it. I understand why yeah. people do burpees, but... but for high rep body weight stuff, I kind of already do it, but it's more to prehab my tendons. Yeah, so so what, yes. what do you do then? Like, what's, what's the format you follow? Uh, I do um, two body weight sets of push up, uh, and I just aim for 100 reps. And I just try to do it to do it in like a one set with just um, rest pose. So basically, the first set I would do like 60, 70. Yeah. And the, the second set, uh, we could call that a second set because I take some rest. But it's just like 20 to 30 seconds i go for the 100 reps and sometimes i go a bit beyond and i do 120 and 150 stuff like that i try to actually keep fresh for the all the av stuff i do in my upper body sessions and for yeah. uh, squats i mean for legs what i do are squats and i do bottom up rep on squat because i have had a lot of problem with sleepy vmo stuff so basically uh, I have displa uh, patella dysplasis, so my patella yeah. are not perfectly aligned because I have on, on the nerve side of things, I have been used to have uh, half bent legs for most sport in my life. Combat sport, running, even swimming in a sense, uh, like the wrestling stance. So it's like you are in a half quads position and you hold there. What's happening is that with that position, you are priming a lot of femoral nerve 
on the quad sweep, the external side of the leg, and also on the glutes. That's why most people who have great looks, great glutes, also have a good quad sweep. It's actually the kind of the same nerve travel. Yeah. But the people that have the best VMO have trouble with their glutes most of the time. Really? Why? Because it is not the same nerve at all. It's on the other side of the prime uh, femoral nerve. And for me, it was so easy to get strong and tight quad sweep that my patella are looking a bit sideways and a bit up. Yeah. And my VMO is an okay, I don't do anything then. So these squats where I go down body weight and then I just go up uh, halfway and I just go down and up and down and up like that. Yeah. It forced my VMO to actually work because I'm in full knee um, flexion and I'm going halfway like that. So I have to keep the tension and something has to keep my knee from collapsing and going whatever. And yeah. that's VMO. Yeah. And not only is it improving my teardrop appearance, so for like bodybuilding cosmetic purposes, it's kind of cool. But at the same time, I'm literally lubricating my knee joint and making sure there is some balance brought back, along with, of course, all the stuff I do during my real training session. Yeah. But yeah, push up and squat, basically. Do you add in the mix? Uh, pardon? Do you add any chin ups into the mix? Uh, for, I do not really like chin-up with high reps, but to give you a, a recent example, it had been years since I didn't do more than eight reps on a weighted chin-up set. I most often work between three and six reps, and I go with about three plates and more. Is that, on is the that, is that to mitigate any potential elbow issues? No, it's just that I do not like high reps. <laughs> I, just, I just like the fact that I can um, do um, one rep with four plates between my legs on natural grip chin. And I'm like, you know what? Four reps is good, but let's try five plates. <laughs> uh, and let's have meter forearm and arm at the same time, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> so no, it's really, I have no problem with that. It's just, of course, that for both bodybuilding and joint um, health long-term, Natural grip for me is better yeah. option yeah. than tonated. And supinated, <laughs> as I as I talked about in one of my videos, at some point, the risk of a bicep tear, especially for me, was short biceps. If there is a big hole, there is a, I can actually put three fingers like that. So I'm just close to, I'm just I'm just next to the worst kind of bicep genetic ever. <laughs> After three plate on chin-up for me, too much risk. Okay. Yeah. But in my gym, uh, the gym that is not very much equipped, but is still good near my place. There was basically a chin-up contest, and the guy who wins have a free month of membership. So I was like, you know what? It's been a while. Let's see how many pull-up I can crank. So I just finished the coaching, you know, um, in-person coaching. I was like, okay, bye. I brought the band. I, I had a band in my in my bag, and I was like, okay, I got the guy from the office desk, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to try. I warm up a bit, you know, edge light stuff, you know, then pull apart. I do some rotation, some little curl with a band. I do quick set like that just to be in the groove, you know? Yeah. And then I go and I do, and I did 28 reps. That's good. That's awesome. And I did, it's not the grip that failed. It's not the bag that failed. It's like the, the arm. It just yeah. at some point, the forearm. I just, yeah, I went half rep and I was like, I can't go no more. And that's well, were they dead hangers? Like, were you full lockout? Because yes. you know, yes, like, 
Yeah, he's doing 50, not just pump. No, 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 no. It was like the military type of uh, pull-up. It's like you're there, straight yeah. arm, yeah. kind of a complete stop, shoulder uh, depression like that. Yeah. And, and the shin over the bar, not at the bar, over here. Yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah. I was like this. You should try the Royal Marine pull-up test. It's it's very difficult because there's a pause in every point of contact. So you're there, and when you come up, you're like a one and a half second pause all the way back down. And you need to get 17 reps. I've tried that a few times, and it's it's taking me by surprise every time. But but listen, Axel, I'm going to have to wrap this up soon. So I want to ask you a question here, okay? Everybody's training journey changes over time. Mm. We start off with bro splits and we realise that they're not any good, okay? And then we move on and we start to look at other styles of training. Do you think your training journey is going to take a different direction at some point as you advance in years, so to speak? I guess. I'm not dead, so... Yeah, I can say, but I guess because just comparing my training uh, last year to this year, two years ago, uh, not three years ago, because, you know, there was some stuff and you were locked in home, but like four years ago, yeah. it's totally different. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's not the same material available. It's not the same philosophy. It's not the same goals. It's not maybe the same problems canalized. Yeah. So I'd say yes. Yes, in five years, I'm pretty sure I'm going to have, again, something totally folkloric and totally different from what I'm doing right now. The, yeah. maybe the spirit behind and the mindset behind will not change. Yeah. The way of me doing it most likely will change. Maybe I have more bodyweight stuff. Maybe it will be more bent stuff. Yeah. Maybe maybe I will have no free weights anymore, purely machines. Maybe I will say, you know what? I'm tired of these machines again. Let's just do free weight. Because free weights are, it's just funnier, you know. I did I did six years of purely free weights. And you can add about two, three years of me adding a bit of machine, but not that much, actually, like 15% of my training. I don't know, but most likely, yeah. Yeah, okay. Basically, what I'm trying to say is I hope you start doing boppies at some point. That would be great. Oh, later. no, man. <laughs> I body weight, okay, but burpees, man, no. Listen, Axel, it's been a <laughs> pleasure. It really has. It's been it's been uh, very informative. You, you've taken my breath away with some of your responses to the questions. So th thank you very much for coming on. It's been greatly, greatly appreciated. I've been dying to get you on. I've been hassling you on Instagram, and finally you gave in to my charms. But before I go, can you tell people where to find you on Instagram, YouTube, wherever else you are? Uh, well, you type Airsoviac and that's the pseudo I use for everything. So that's basically it. I have uh, Instagram, uh, I have uh, YouTube. I try to be more active and to be part of this amazing community of natural uh, lifters. And um, that's about it. I have my website, airsoviac.com. And uh, yeah. Thank you so much, Lee, for this opportunity. You were amazing. Thank you for having me, by the way. You're an amazing host. You've taken you've taken my breath away with that. <laughs> ah, got you again. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know what you said. <laughs> listen, listen. 
you're welcome on any other time. Just drop me a message, all right? Because I know a lot of people will get a lot of information and knowledge from this. And I, and I, I know by the way you were talking, you've got so much more to tell me. So we can we can go again next week if you want or next month. Yeah, no next week at a regular thing. We'll definitely get you back on Axel. So anyway, listen, Axel, absolute pleasure. Okay. See you soon, buddy. Talk to you soon, man. Have a great evening. Bye bye. You too.